to Three Games Podcast for uh, early June 2019. My name is Tom Chick, and my game of the week is not System Shock 2. This is Nick Diamond, and my game of the week is not Slate Aspire. And I'm Jason McMaster, and my game of the week is not They Are Billions. McMaster, why isn't it They Are Billions? Is there something that's better? Oh boy, you're gonna you're gonna get me into trouble making statements like that. Oh. Uh, but uh, yeah, I think so. What? Come on. Well, first of all, they are billions. Not even out yet, so it's not even really That's true. technically. It's not even a game. It's a it's a I'm, concept in development. I'm pretty sure that is out, right? They have an expansion announced for it. They are billions? No, that's one of those perpetual yeah. early access things. No, seriously, they have a. It is. Well, I should go they play have it then. Expansion right. coming out. Sweet. No, it's right. in it's in early access. What the hell? Why would you have an expansion? But they have an expansion. Yeah, the expansion's called 1.0. Oh. No, no, no. <laughs> I misunderstood. It's the campaign. Oh my god, I'm stupid. I guess. Sorry. Oh. Look, Master, you should, at, try just playing games that are actually done, that are out, that exist. For a change. No, no, by God, no. I'm on the bleeding edge. Well, I will say this thing you're going to mention, that's one thing it definitely has over They Are Billions, is it's an actual game that has been released. True. 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 Yeah, and so, so what yeah. is it? Tell us what it is and why it's so much better than They Are Billions, which is vastly inferior. <laughs> I mean, that's what you said. Okay. That's what, I'm sorry, that, I don't mean to put words oh, in your yeah. mouth, but, but you, no, no. you would say that, right? Um, personally, yeah, I think so. Actually, right. I do like it more. Um, Angry uh, email to uh, jasonmcmaster at gmail.com. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, please do send jasonmcmaster <laughs> at gmail.com all the angry emails you want. Uh, but yeah, uh, so Conan Unconquered for, for me has uh, a few things over there, billions. But let's just, I mean, the concept initially is that you have a kingdom and you're being raided by... You know, different, I don't know, creatures, undead monsters, demons, all sorts of stuff. And you have to survive through waves. So that's how it's similar to They Are Billions, for those of you that are familiar with They Are Billions. So you have to stop your fort being destroyed. Now, the difference, there's actually a number of differences. But the biggest difference to me is that uh, in They Are Billions, if something gets through, it's pretty much game over. And uh, I understand that that for a lot of people that like that game a lot, that that's part of the reason they like that game. I, I understand this. It, it's the whole uh, the 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 whole uh, I guess danger of it. Yeah, and plus uh, it's zombies. There's an infection mechanic. The idea being that right. they're, they're like diseased, and once they start infecting your buildings, it spreads and things start shutting down. Right. Whereas in Conan Unconquered. A dude gets in and he just starts chipping away at something's hit points, you right, know, like a right. building. Yeah, it's more like an RTS. Exactly. You've got time to just okay. He's attacking my building. I guess I'll move my army over there and fight him. Right. Sure. Which that and there is that's probably one of the things I like about it is that it's not just an instant game over. And I understand, like I said, that that's the appeal to some people. It is not to me. If I invest like forty-five minutes an hour into building something and playing through it, I don't want it to be like oh. You know, I didn't notice like a one little thing and somebody get through, and then the game's over. It's just I don't whatever. It's just one me first. 
one of the things that I believe they were adamant about in They Are Billions, and I haven't looked at it in a while, was that uh, you, you couldn't – like I didn't they want you – somehow stop you from saving and then backing yes. up to prior saves? Yeah. Oh, yeah. They wanted you yeah. to commit, and if, if you lost, you know, too bad. You had to start yep. over from the beginning. And one of the, yep. the defining characteristics, I feel, of both They Are Billions and Conan Unconquered is they're pretty drawn-out experiences. Right, exactly. None of these is like a lunch hour real time strategy game or anything. These are these yeah. are things that take a while to sit down and play. Yeah. Well, are they? You know, sometimes they don't. Depending. Right, right, right. On, you but know, if you, <laughs> right, if if you do well, the ideal scenario is you're playing uh, for a long hours. time. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. yeah. Mike uh, Cathcart and I have done co-op a few times, and uh, it's uh, how it does that go. work? What's even the point of that? It's actually pretty fun. Uh, it's a lot harder though. Uh, so the way it works is you. You have your own pool of resources, but all of the production is split. So, like, if I build a wood on a wood resource that produces six, he'd get three, and I'd get three. Even though you are the one who paid for it, right? That's but called also, socialism, McMaster. That's that's why I love it so. I guess, <laughs> but like the, it just it tastes so good. Uh, but no, the. Uh, no, it's, and anything he builds, I, I get the part of it, too. So, like, basically, we found the, the best result for us was one of us runs the army while the other person runs the economy. Um, you know, well, I, there's I, so much I, Please. I mean, it's it's not like there's a, a micromanagement overload or, or anything. I do, that's my whole thing. Co-op, that's fine. People who want to enjoy that, you know, bless their hearts. But I just don't see the point in me having to split how we spend resources, like that's like I'm gonna play a, an RTS and I only get half of the gold, you get the other half of the gold. I, I mean that just that makes no sense. Yeah, to that's me. right. Okay. That's right. Yeah, yeah. You don't like it, huh? Communist. <laughs> Shit. You know what if it was like you know, like a bosom buddies kind of situation, you know, where we or both have to play the show, right? Yeah. Oh right, right, yeah, right. You had to you had to play an RTS together to live together in the same apartment. It's that's uh, my whole that's the whole thing with co-op gaming is if it's something that I can do alone, why would I waste my time doing it multiplayer? If oh I'm yeah, play that, multiplayer. That's not something the Unabomber would say. Yeah, go on, please. <laughs> Wait, how's that a Unabomber thing? It's like a, not like a manifesto. It's just if I'm going to play something, McMaster, I want to with you. I want to play something where your presence is valuable, where it's yeah. not just hey. It's, it's really like this, McMaster. Let's play Diablo. You control all the spells on the X and the A button. I'll control all the spells spells on the B and the Y button. How exciting would that be? That sounds pretty good to me. No, it's half-assed. There's no point for it. My thumb can reach all of those buttons equally well. I don't need to voluntarily sacrifice use of half of them so you can press those two buttons. I mean, that, that's not really a fair comparison, but okay. Yes, it is. It's a one-to-one analog. What? Yeah. What? Yeah, Direct. yeah. It's like that's. It's like I sit. I sit in Mike's lap every time we play because we have to share the keyboard too. Uh, I wish you did. Oh, okay. I, that would be the most horrific picture. Uh, but anyway. All right. So uh, I, so it's got co-op, and that's kind of cool that they do that. And uh, you know, yeah, guys like me can just ignore it, pretend it's not right. there. Yeah. Absolutely, and it it really is. You know, it's just kind of something fun to do on the side. It doesn't change anything fundamentally about how the game works right. at all really it just kind of you split the resources um but the, and the idea of course is like obviously just like any other horde game or any other game based on waves of combat the first waves are easy etc cetera, etc cetera. and then as you go up they get worse 
There's one specific wave in this freaking game that's really horrible, but I'm, we won't get to that. Are the waves uh, canned? Like, it's always the same every time? In the 25 game, I think it's like wave 12, might be wave 13, there's this character that shows up. It's like a midpoint character, and he is ludicrous. I mean, you can kill him. I've done it several times. He just always has an impact. Is it that, like, a uh, Asimite, like, heavily armored melee knight dude? Or something else? Uh, he's this uh, mounted warrior prince something. Oh, and oh, he okay. um, he has, like, he boosts everybody's defense since then morale, and he also sets stuff on fire around him. And fire in that game is a damn nightmare. I love the way they do fire. Yeah, tell us about the fire. Oh, my God. So, yeah, they have fire, uh, fire troops that will set your, your buildings on fire, and... Once they do, you have to put the buildings out, or they'll just con constantly burn. Oh, so, so much micromanagement. So do I have to train fire brigade units? No, your regular units can do it. Oh. But uh, they don't sometimes. Uh, it is well, they will if they're, they don't. They don't if there's a hostel nearby. Like if you want to put out fire. That's one of the things I love is that fire spreads, and you can either choose: Am I saving my buildings, or am I going to stay in the battle? Because if you right-click on a burning building, any yeah. unit turns into a bucket brigade fella and just starts spraying water on it. Oh. But then they're not fighting. What that if also you, does is if you attack uh, moves too, they'll 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 put out fires on attack moves. So right, as long as there's no one around. Like it's sort of like the units right. know that hey, he wants me to put out the fire if I've got nothing else to do. If there's a battle, I'm going to fight that. Then I'll get to the fire afterwards. But it does create right. these tense moments where oh, yes. you're in the middle of a battle and something's burning down and certain things burn faster than others. Uh, I love yeah. their their fire concept. Because a lot of times it's just annoying. Like it's oh damage over time, big whoop. Oh no! Um, oh no! Not but this here, game. It's, yeah, it's very interactive. Yeah. Yeah, it'll totally destroy your base. Uh, and that's the thing. Like one thing I do is, if I'm not gonna have time and it's not a place that I'm worried about, I'll just like destroy the wall. You know, like build, move, destroy it. And so I don't. You know. Wait, why are you doing that? <laughs> what does that accomplish? Parts of the wall, the parts that are on fire. Oh, oh, I see what you're saying. Like a controlled right. burn. Like, wait a minute, you can do that? Yeah, yeah. Now, sometimes it doesn't completely work, mind you. Sometimes it still jumps. I think it has a chance. Yeah, if I was a game designer, I wouldn't let you just sell a building out from under a fire. I'd make you deal with the consequences of the fire. I hope they patch oh, yeah. that. Well, I'm pretty sure that it's, like I said, I'm pretty sure it has a chance to jump anyway. Because it, it's still burning. It's just, you know, whatever. Right. Anyway, um... And as the game goes forward, of course, you get more and more waves, and they, they, they get more harder and harder to deal with. Um, and at the end, uh, if you lose your fortress in the center, you lose. And it's interesting because it, much like they are billions, it has the whole concept of map control versus hordes for resources. Mm -hmm. And that's something that you don't see in a lot of other games, really. Uh, so it, it kind of you have to weigh uh, whether or not it's worth going forward to get something against whether you think you can keep it or if you even want to keep it. Yeah, um, like one of the things that they do when you raise it, when you play on harder difficulty levels, is they make the creeps more difficult to kill so that it takes more time and an investment of resources in terms of making units to run around the map and scoop up goodies. Because uh, normally that's something that you would like do between 
uh, waves is send Conan because you've got your one hero dude. Send yep. him out, and he can just take on as many spiders as he wants, especially if he's got a couple of javelineers. Just run around and scoop up some free stuff. But when you play harder, right. you've got to uh, make tougher decisions about when and whether to do that, which I like. Uh, oh, yeah. Um, and, and I like the characters. There's three different characters. Total. I'm not sure. I don't under. I I kind of wish there'd been more to it. I know you can get artifacts at some point, but right now yeah. it looks like each character is just uh, a a special ability it gets when it levels up, right? Like I don't I don't get yeah, a sense. For, the one guy has ranged, I guess. Yeah, that's that dude's, and that might be my only complaint is that that guy comes with a deluxe edition. And the, the other two come with the regular edition. So the deluxe edition, it has a guy that's ranged and much more powerful, in my opinion, right. than the regular. Because um, he's, he's more useful. A lot of times, if you're playing oh, yes. correctly, you're being attacked and there's a bunch of things on the other side of a wall and your javelineers are, are killing them while Conan's just sitting there twiddling his thumbs because he's got no right. path over there to fight them. <laughs> so he's kind of and, useless. Yeah. Nice work, yeah, Conan. Like, yeah, I mean, think of it this way, too. One of the things that, like, I think that guy excels at, and it's related to that, is that you don't really need to build Javelineers with him early if you have him, because he does a ton of damage. Oh, right, and uh, he can just take out the early right, waves himself, yeah. yeah. Easily. Like, he does so much damage that it's, like, it's a little ridiculous. He'll kill three and four units at a time. It's kind of crazy. So, um, yeah... It, I, I like that. I, I think it's interesting. And I have – have you ever got any of the artifacts? I have not, no. I only know about them from reading the help screens. Um, yeah, well, Mike and I uh, on a co-op game took an army down and killed one of those roaming big monsters, um, and it dropped an artifact. And it was pretty cool. It oh, that's a, what those it, roaming monsters are. I didn't realize that because I see right. their icons on the minimap, and I'm like, I'm not, yep. I'm not going over there. That thing looks tough. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and they are. They're ridiculous. Uh, so if you can kill one of those, they'll drop like an artifact or something. And the uh -huh. one I got was uh, it did like an area of effect and gave me life from everything it took, you know. So it was pretty powerful. It was nice. Um, right. uh, but, yeah. Nick, and, have you tried this at all? I have. Yeah, I have. Um, I – I think I I prefer uh, I prefer they are billions because of what the infection mechanic or the the aesthetic do you do you hate Conan the Barbarian what's um, up with you eh, no I don't hate Conan the Barbarian he's <laughs> he's great but uh, the the aesthetics is a little off for me and uh, I do like the, the kind of more hardcore like look dude you screwed up it's over uh, kind oh. of approach I mean don't get me wrong this is not a game that's easy. No, <laughs> like, no, no. Yeah, yeah, I, I, mean, I don't want to give that. <laughs> yeah, like I—that's the whole thing. Is like this is like it's up there. It's on par with AR billions at least for yeah. me. <laughs> like in difficulty, it's just got a little bit of a different like way to lose. Yeah, I mean, th th I think I think Conan and Conquer gives you, uh, you know, a chance to correct. Whereas they are billions. Like I said, like once one dude gets in, oh, you well, you might as well just stop. Yeah. <laughs> Right. I, lo I love the look of the zombie waves in there, Billions. I mean, in Conan, it just looks like any old RTS. Oh, there's a bunch of army armies fighting yeah. each other, and they've got hit point bars. But the swarms of zombies and the way it just feels like a flood, uh, it, you know, it's like the World War Z. Like, I love this idea of zombies as almost a liquid, uh, and They Are Billions definitely plays with that. Yeah. yeah. 
All right, so uh, Conan Unconquered, it's Funcom's RTS. And I will say, these folks at Petroglyph, they've been doing – I don't want to be a dick here – but they've been doing middling work for so long that I really had low expectations for this. Uh, and I'm delighted to see that I, I feel like they've hit their stride with this. Petroglyph has uh, done a great job with it. I mean they've kind of like I, – I wouldn't say ripped off, but they've appropriated another design in a way. But I think they've done a great job with it. Um, I'm very happy for no. Petroglyph. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's the thing about this is like it really is a a really well put together game, and I do understand the aesthetic thing. Like obviously, it's a lot cooler to have like the look of They Are Billions is a cool looking game. Steampunk, you know? yeah, it's got that going for it too. Yeah, right. and it's really cool looking. People love steampunk. Know? Nick loves steampunk apparently. Mm. <laughs> Nick Nick is made of uh, steampunk. Nick, mm-hmm. do you have your, your top hat on right now? <laughs> top hat and my uh, monocle made out of a clockwork gear. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Large, right. oversized lab gloves. Nick, have you been playing anything that has made the monocle pop out of your eye socket? Oh, <laughs> boy. <laughs> uh, I I have played a, a game where there are a lot of monocles or, or lenses to look through. Oh, are there? Yeah, that's Layers of Fear 2. Okay, so it's not all about paintings anymore. It is not all about paintings anymore. In fact, we've we've moved up in time uh, from Layers of Fear, and it is now... Well, it's kind of hard to say what time period it's supposed to be. I'm going to assume 1950s, okay. 1960s maybe? Uh, you are on a cruise ship this time, not in a uh, mansion. Uh, you are still the uh, mysterious, unnamed, unvoiced protagonist who is uh, going through the uh, the horror walking sim that is mm-hmm. Layers of Fear 2. Um, but this time, it's not paintings. It's uh, it's all around movies. Oh. So, you're and, making and this, is... Nick, you're making this sound cool so far. Nice work. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I know. I know. Mm. It, it, the it concept is, yeah. sounds awesome. I, honestly, the concept sounds awesome, um, and they they play with it uh, a little bit, which kind of makes the uh, it does make the time period a little harder to pin down because uh, it like you have references to generic 1940-ish noir detective movies, right? Like you'll one of the bits is you go through uh, made-up scenes for a you know generic fake movie like oh it's like the the winds of the detective or something and you're you're going through the motions of this thing um wait you're actually of, in the movie or you're just watching it no you go through like scenes that have been set up by the demented director that is tormenting you okay um, and it, the other parts are all played by mannequins ooh creepy mannequins wait how does this fit in with a cruise ship yeah right <laughs> <laughs> Yes, because I thought we were having like a high seas nautical horror adventure, and you sort of flipped on me there. Okay, no, no. (laughs) In fact, I suspect the only reason this takes place on a cruise ship is because someone at the developer Bloober team has to be enamored with the idea of keeping the player literally and figuratively off balance by making the camera wobble back and forth when you walk. I don't know if that would be cool or nauseating. So if you remember in Layers of Fear, the first one, one of the traits of your character was that he was lame. 
and his leg was crippled. And so as you walk through the mansion, you kind of totter to the left all the time. Right. And, and, and I guess that was in game. It was kind of the explanation for a, why you can't run ah. or crouch or jump and B, it, you know, again, literally and figuratively you're off balance. Okay. As you go through, right. Okay. So in this, they don't have that, but what they have is the, the boat constantly rocking. Mm-hmm. So, I, so that's, I, and are you, are you saying that that's a bad, cause I, that, that could be a cool idea. Again, I mean, in, in theory, cool you're idea. making this sound very cool. It could be a very cool idea. It's just kind of perplexing why this takes place on a ship. Oh, oh, I see what you're saying. You're saying as that, that as, maybe that's because their rationale, they had to stick yeah, to it, right? Because the whole, thing's, the whole thing is centered around the evil specter director is making you go through the motions of these evil movies, per se. Okay. And th- there's really no reason for it to take place on a boat. Like, <laughs> like I don't even know why a cruise ship would do this. <laughs> Are there at <laughs> least, like, cool boat levels? No, not really. Okay. Not really. There's a, there's a couple levels, you know, where you get the ankle deep water and there's, you know, water dripping or whatever. And right. Tight bursts. But there's nothing really to do with the ship until the very end. And I do mean the very end, like the last five minutes of the game. Okay. Um, but mainly it's this idea of uh, scary – of movies gone weird or scary, right? Movies gone weird, right. But but they're references that sort of tickle uh, the player, right? Like like they've got like the fake film noir. They've got mm-hmm. kind of a fake uh, trip to the moon. Okay. Um, and then in one weird bit, it's very much The Shining. I was going to say it's reminding me of what Steven Spielberg did in Ready Player One where he had that shining bit, which yeah. isn't in the book. But, uh, yeah, he did a, a shining riff, which is one of the few things I kind of enjoyed in that movie. In so, movie, again, yeah. you're, you're selling me on Layers of Fear, too. Yeah, but then you get to the actual gameplay, and it's just you scrabbling around for clues in a hot spot uh, and random jump scares. You know, it's the it's the same layers of fear stuff where you right. Oh, look at this thing. So you look at it, and then you turn around. Oh no, the mannequin moved behind you. Right, right. Spooky. Uh, the the big I guess gameplay addition in this is uh, the developers put in an actual thing that chases you now. Uh oh, uh, that's yeah. rarely a good idea. Well, is that a good idea? What? Uh, no, it's not a great idea. Okay. <laughs> It's not a great idea. Uh, it's the in you know, of course he never gets named in the game, but in the patch notes he's called the formless man. Uh, <laughs> he seems to be made out of ink. I don't know. He he comes glooping up out of things and he just okay. kind of chases you around for a little bit at the end of every chapter. And when he catches you, you just have to reload. Uh, no, of course not. It's layers of fear, so it's consequenceless. He captures you, and you wake up in the room <laughs> that he jumped out of. <laughs> so, yeah, layers of fear, again, had the one part where the evil bride ghost chased you. Oh, yeah. Right. And it really, I mean, it wasn't even a chase. It was you walked into a hallway, she was at the other end of the hallway, and if you didn't back up fast enough, she got you, right? right? There, was, there was no real chase. Um, it's sort of that except at the end of every chapter, this happens. Okay. 
like, oh no, it's the ink blot dude. Turn and run. You just turn and run down a hall, and the doors close behind you automatically. So I guess that's good, and then yeah, that's it. Does the engine at least look good? Like, is it a is it an attractive game? Uh, it is very attractive. Okay. It, so again, it's it's like Layers of Fear in that it the art direction's very good. Uh, can't fault them for the visuals. Uh, they've switched from Unity to Unreal this time around. So I guess if you're a fan of that, great. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't think it makes much difference. Um, it, it it just look it looks very good. Like if you see screenshots of the game. Uh, and certainly if you you get that high-level overview of what the concept is, you think, oh, this might be actually pretty cool, but it's not. Right. It's not. It's a it's a drawer-shuffling walking simulator. Oh, wait, you have to get into drawers? <laughs> oh, a ton of drawers. Ew, okay. A ton of drawers. Opening drawers, opening closets, opening desks. What, do you, opening what are you looking chests. for? What, like, like logs or audio files or something? What do you get out of there? Uh, mostly pieces of paper. So you're looking for old newspaper clippings. Oh, and, stuff to read? And, yeah, yeah, and then every now and then you get a, you'll find some bit or bobble that, that has an audio file linked to it. So, you know, you'll get a little, little audio of uh, when he was a kid playing with his sister as a stowaway on some boat. But not the boat you're on. So huh. don't get that confused. <laughs> well, that's that's the real nightmare of this game for me, Nick, is you're playing a game and the only meaningful resource, the only resource period is lore. <laughs> I have no desire yeah, it, to run around yeah. opening drawers looking for lore. <laughs> yeah, and it's just like Layers of Fear in that you play it once, right. and since it's your first playthrough, you probably won't get everything. So if you want the real ending, please play again. Huh, all right. All right. McMaster, what's the scariest game you've ever played? I flummoxed him. <laughs> He's like, none. <laughs> it is a tough question. Uh, I think... Uh, uh, no. Sorry. <laughs> I, uh, I uh, It just took me a second. I, I was... Uh, so, I guess either some of the Fatal Frame games, or maybe uh, Condemned was pretty Quit creepy. Quit stealing my answer. I liked it better when you were silent and you weren't going to steal my answer. <laughs> yeah, the fatal frames were great. Uh, th- those are what I would pick. And, and when when Nick said something about it, it's like looking through eyepieces a, a bunch, I got super excited that maybe they did like a fatal frame thing. Uh, no. All right. No. Nick, yeah, what's see, the scariest fatal... game you've ever played? Oh, I, I was gonna say fatal frame. Fatal nope, fatal frame. I... No, 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 joking. Fatal frame. Right. And that's only because I feel fatal frame played around with the video game kind of mechanic to unsettle you a lot more right 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 whereas this game is yeah open drawers i think also fatal frame just it comes from a time where we didn't have a thousand games that were based on jump scares like it it parceled out what jump scares it had amongst being super creepy but i think horror games now have to go for that jump scare because they want people to watch youtubers get surprised right yeah exactly like that's the whole and that was my issue with with the first layers of fear is i felt like they made it almost exclusively pandering to uh youtube viewers who want to watch youtube players being jump scared and i i just have no value for that that just does nothing for me uh like jump scares for jump scares sake so and fatal frame predated that so 
Well, and definitely the thing that I think Fatal Frame does really well is that, like a lot of, and it's it's rare, but every now and then you'll find a good found footage movie. <laughs> I know. Bear with me. <laughs> I would no. I please. I, I agree. But, yeah. yeah. Why? Don't, like, why? You don't but, have to. Don't apologize for that ever, Nick. There are some great found footage movies. But what yeah. what Fatal Frame I feel like did really well was it because of that mechanic of taking pictures, it forced you to peer really closely right. at the screen and, and what you were looking at and really concentrate on what you were doing so that when a jump scare did happen, it felt earned, right? right? Like, I would say, like, early paranormal activity, you know, early, uh, I don't know, whatever, Blair Witch, like... Those jump scares felt good because you were, you know, as a viewer, you're you're constantly leaning in basically to say, oh, what what is that? What is that dark thing in the corner? What is it? What is it? What is it? Well, also what it what it also gets from uh, uh, found footage movies is this idea of the mundane. Like a found footage movie, you're just watching people faff about for a while, and you're waiting for something to go wrong. You're waiting to see something that they don't see. Uh, right. Like it, it lets it, it puts down a layer of just regular mundane everyday life in, in, a, in a documentary style, and you know at some point something exceptional or scary or terrifying or weird or creepy is going to break into that mundane reality. And that's what the I think the second Fatal Frame played with really well is there was this idea of you had the waking world where you were safe, and then you would do those dream sequences and deal with the ghosts and stuff, and it did a really cool thing where it eventually blurred those lines, and you'd be in the waking world and weird things would happen. Uh, so, yeah. And, and, yeah, I don't ever apologize for saying there are great found footage movies. Not 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 so much layers of fear though, because right right, right from the get go, I mean, you open the game and it's oh creepy. You're you're on an you know you're the only guy on a creepy boat, and there's an evil. In this case, Tony Todd is the evil director. Oh. He, yeah, well, there yeah, you I go, mean, selling cool. me on it again. All right, that's cool, right? It's Tony <laughs> Todd, and he's growling at you. I put my actors through their paces. <laughs> is there a Tony Todd character model, or he's just a no. voice? No, it's just a, okay. I mean, unless he's supposed to be the formless man, but he, he <laughs> just did a really crappy motion capture job on him. Yeah, yeah I don't right. know. <laughs> uh, McMaster, I, best game on that takes place on a ship. Go. What do you got? On a ship. Yep. Oh. Um. And you too, Nick. Best game that takes place oh. on a ship, and then I'll tell you guys if you got the right answer. <laughs> <laughs> oh wow, there's a correct answer too. I'll go to think about this for a second. Uh, or best ship level, I'll accept. Oh, okay, best ship level. Yeah, maybe that makes it easier. Uh, huh. Okay. Uh, you know what? I'll tell you what the best game is on a ship. That's Wolfenstein: uh, New Order. Is that the submarine bits? Yeah. All right, Nick. What hey. is your answer? I don't remember the name of the game, but it's the one where it, every player was a, a suspect in the murder mystery. Oh, like the spy part, like Spy Party at Sea or whatever that thing right, was. That, yeah. Right, yeah. Yeah, I and it had what like the a name of that was though. Yeah, what was yeah, that? Yeah, what called? was that? I remember that game. <laughs> that was it was pretty good though. Like I remember for a little while there it was, oh, this is an interesting idea. I sure, sure hope some, you know, someone with a budget maybe <laughs> tries to do something with this, but nah, never mind. <laughs> 
Okay, well, I'm giving you both a consolation prize because those are good answers, but they're wrong. The correct answer is Resident Evil Revelations. Oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> okay, yeah, and there's a lot of Resident Evil on ships, though. Right, right, but that one was exclusively on a ship, and it was, you know, it was a Nintendo DS thing, and uh, I just felt that oh, they, yeah. they made good use of their limited assets. And actually, it's ported to the PC, I think, now, although I can't imagine why you'd ever want to play it there. Uh, yeah. Yeah, no, uh, I actually, uh, it was a 3DS game. Right, 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 right. At least neither of you said, uh, the opening of Metal Gear Solid 4, whichever one that is, that has a, a <coughs> ship opening, right. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> uh, all right, well, I have been playing, uh, speaking of ships, um, a game called Void Bastards, which mm. is by some, I think they're Australian, a group called Blue Manchu, and they're previously known for a cute little tactical battle game called Card Hunters, which I think might even be free to play. That can't be right. Uh, but Card Hunters is, is pretty good, but this is nothing like Card Hunters. Uh, and the thing that I've heard it compared to, and at first I seriously took issue with this, but eventually came around on it, uh, is uh, System Shock, is that it's similar to System Shock. Mm. In that, yeah. you're, you're going on these abandoned uh, spaceships, and you're running around the corridors trying to gather stuff, and weird little monsters come at you. However, unlike System Shock, it, it seems like it's played for cute little charming aesthetics rather than anything creepy. Uh, the artwork is very self-awarely cartoony. Uh, and the monsters that you're fighting are, are, are sprites, which is, I think that's what it's called, just kind of charming, where they're just flat 2D images that flip around. Uh, so it's got a kind of a cartoon retro look that it embraces. Um, but what, where I took issue with it being compared to System Shock is because it doesn't have that kind of creepy atmosphere. And also, it, it's not a very good shooter. Either that or I just haven't played long enough to get the really good weapons. Be, because you don't have much ammo, and the the pistol that you use is constantly like not hitting where you're shooting because it's supposed to be a crappy pistol, and things Ugh. don't do much damage. And uh, so a lot of times when I see bad guys, I, I'm just like, oh god, I guess I have to shoot at something, uh, and it makes me not want to shoot at them, which is not a good thing you want to do with your shooter. Uh, <laughs> You have one job, shooter. Right, right, exactly, yeah. Now, uh, the other, the the context for this, for going on ships, and I like this too, the ships are not randomized. There's a, there are different types of ships, and they have the same layout, even though the loot and the monsters on them are randomized. Uh, all ships, not all ships, most ships will have some kind of a modifier, like, oh, the power's turned off, or oh, all the doors are locked, and you're going to have to unlock all the doors. Or, uh, oh, there's no monsters here, but there's a bunch of monster portals, so they'll come in more quickly, uh, even though you've got a little room to breathe at first. Um, so there's this sense of, and you work your way across an FTL-style map, uh, and there's this sense of when you choose to go to one ship or the other, knowing, okay, well, I know that is an ambulance ship, and there's going to be an infirmary on it, and I'm going to be able to get... Uh, I'm going to be able to heal my dude up if I go there. But I'm really low on food... Uh, Maybe I should go to that ship instead. Or, oh, I need fuel. That ship uh, has, like, two engine bays, and those have fuel in them. Uh, so the different ships have different reasons you want to go to them. And furthermore, this whole thing is tied together by an upgrade system that is, even though this is kind of, it has a minor claim to being a roguelike, in that if you die, 
it resets you at the beginning of the map with a new character. Uh, the levels aren't randomized, but what is randomized is the loot and the progression of the things that you're building is persistent. When you get reset, everything that you've built, all the different guns, all the different grenades, all the different upgrades to your health and how much oxygen you have, because that's another thing as you're going through these ships, you have limited oxy oxygen. So you've only got so much time to explore it, but if you find the little O2 chamber, you can refill your tanks. Um, so all when you die, it sucks, but all the stuff that you've worked out that you've built and upgraded, because pretty much everything that can be built can also be upgraded at least one step, uh, you get to keep that stuff, and it just resets you to the beginning. Um, so I really like the upgrade progression here, and I like how it feeds into flavor for the different kinds of ships. So for instance, my crappy pistol right now, I need to make this crappy pistol better. Uh, to upgrade it, I just need a metal tube, and that's a component. And sometimes you can, you know, actually one of the things you build early on is a component finder. And I can go into the component screen and I can click on it. And then the game will tell me, oh, you want a metal tube? Work your way over here to this ship down here. And so I know there's a metal tube. And when I get there, I can upgrade my pistol. Alternatively, if I get enough metal, I can craft my own metal tube. So some ships tend to have more scrap metal on them than others. The uh, medical ship, for instance, has more biological stuff on it. You find severed fingers and eyeballs and stuff, and those those get rendered down into the bio uh, resource. Um, so all this upgrade stuff is super compelling and persistent. I don't care if I die on this run, because by golly, I got that metal tube, and now my gun is better. Uh, so I really like that progression. Uh, it can feel grindy if you aren't aware of the fact that you can chase specific components. Like if I just feel like, oh god, I'm just going to keep playing, and then eventually I'll get something that lets me build something, I think that's not the way you want to play. You want to look at your loadout, at your inventory, and you want to say, okay, I want to improve that, and then you want to tell the game to tell you where to get those components. Uh, and when it's got that kind of targeting, that kind of focus, it feels a lot less grindy, I feel. Uh, so then here's ultimately where I came around on it. Um, System Shock, uh, also not a shooter. When you think about it, like System Shock has shooting, but <laughs> yeah. System Shock was more about exploring this ship. And now System Shock also had a very strong narrative component where you got the sense that you were in a haunted house and the ghost was a very uh, an omnipresent uh, character. Shodan was constantly talking to you and you got this sense of a villain controlling this haunted house there's none of that in void bastards but there is this idea of playing it almost as a survival horror game the fact that i don't have the pistol rounds to kill those little jerks that are chasing me I, that's like a resident evil like i can't play this as just a shooter and just unload ammo and sometimes i accumulate enough ammo where i can but sometimes i just don't have the ammo so i'm darting into this ship to get something and then darting back out rather than just running in thinking okay i gotta clear all the hallways and there's this sense of it being a horror game like system shock uh and it even kind of prepares you for this by making noise a constantly present element and you can crouch, and when you walk, that's fine, and you're quieter, and you're hiding behind things. But when you sprint, it does this really gaudy uh, effect of, like, noise waves shooting up around from the bottom of your view, what represent your feet slapping on the, on the deck, I guess. But it makes it really visually evident 
Uh, it's basically saying, hey, dummy, you're making a lot of noise in case you're not aware. Uh, and that's constantly present. Furthermore, when you open a door, you see these little comic book words representing the noise you hear on the other side. And sometimes it's uh, tap, 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 tap. And it's like a little comic book when uh, it just those little words pop up in the doorway. Sometimes it's like scrabble, scrabble, scrabble. Other times it's like claw, claw, claw. And you figure out the words tell you what creature is somewhere inside of that room. So if I don't have enough bullets and I'm just darting in to get that metal tube that I know is here, every map I, I get to see what's in a room by just opening the door. I can creep around and decide, oh, no, no, I know that sound. That's one of those heavily armored screws that I can't fight. I'm not going in that room. Uh, so there again, the noise is a, is a, a constant component uh, in this game. Uh, and furthermore, what it does, too, when you go through these ship layouts, this game is never about, uh, and this is also on a smaller level, the same thing that I was saying about you don't grind, is you focus on what you want and you work your way towards that. On a larger level, the game isn't about searching, it's about making progress towards what you want. It's the same thing on each individual ship. This isn't a game where I go into the ship and I have to search around, and like Layers of Fear, I have to like open all these drawers and hope I find yeah. something. There's no searching here. The game oh. is more than happy to tell you, hey, there's something here you can pick up, in that everything that's interactable that has loot in it basically lights up green. Anytime you see a green light, it's something you can interact with. Usually it's a door you can open. Uh, but otherwise, there's going to be something colored in some various clever ways, green, and you walk up to it and you just tap the right mouse button and whatever's in there is instantly transferred into your inventory. So you are never having to guess, okay, is there anything in this drawer? Okay, I guess I'll look in this trash can. Oh, now I'll, I'll, I'll look in this crate. No, anytime that there's something for you to pick up, the game tells you that. You never have to search for it. You just have to get to it. And furthermore, if you go to the bridge of each ship, you can click on its little uh, helm computer. And then on the map screen, it shows you where every single uh, scavengeable piece of resource is on this ship. And you can 100% the ship if you want by going to the, the bridge, clicking on the little helm computer, and now you see where everything is on the ship. And again, it's not about searching. Now you know where everything is, and obviously when you walk into the room, the things that light up green are things you can interact with. Uh, so uh, even though I had some misgivings, I think it's one of those games where if you judge it early on by how crappy the pistol is and how long it seems to take before you get anything good and how, oh gosh, I'm never going to get a metal tube because it takes 80 scrap and I've only got 22. Ugh. You know, you just have to learn it's not about the shooting. It's not about grinding for that metal tube. It's about asking the game, hey, where's my metal tube? It's not about blindly searching. It's about deciding, you, you know, what do you want and uh, where do you go to get it? And what risks are you willing to take? Um, so Void Bastards, I've uh, been really enjoying it. The more I play it, the more I enjoy it. Have either of you guys messed with it? I have not. No, I haven't either. But I do love me some FTL-style uh, map progression. I, yeah, what else did I play with that recently? I, I, I kind of, I, it, it's weird to see the whole, like, to see the map laid out. and Like, I almost wish that I could only see one jump at a time, but I guess that would defeat the purpose of being able to focus. I do like, however, here, when you play FTL, each little map node, it's just a die roll. You don't know what's going to be there. I right. like in this that the map node tells you what the ship is, and even it tells you, 
what the modifiers are going to be on that ship and what enemies are on that ship. Like there's there's a lot and, and what resources you can get. There's a lot of information available when you're choosing between those two or three nodes in terms of which one to go to. Uh, so, uh, yeah, as far as... Now, here's another thing, too. I don't really know what I'm doing. Like in FTL, you know you're supposed to get to the other side of the map. Here, I'm just pursuing these little intermediate goals of getting a metal tube or getting the next there seems to be a campaign progression and there's a there's an uber doodad on on the the main map and i just got one of those and i got a second one and now there's three of them on the map so there's doodads that it wants you to chase but i don't get this sense that like i don't know if there's a boss fight waiting for me uh and i guess i kind of like not knowing that um because it does create this sense uh you know it i don't know what's out there I don't know what to expect. I was just introduced, by the way, to a mechanic for pirate ships. And now there's a pirate ship ahead of me on the map, and it's animated. It's like rotating another ship. And I don't know if they're – like, I wonder if they're doing what I'm doing. I guess they are. And what – if you click on it, it says, hey, this is a pirate ship, and they will chase you onto a ship when you board it. And I have no idea how that works. I have no idea what I'm supposed to do. I know that some that my ship has a place where I can craft, uh, like, torpedoes. That I've never been able to craft, and I don't know what they do, and I guess they shoot pirate ships. Um, but yeah, I know that there's still a whole lot in here waiting for me that I don't understand, and I'm willing to wait for the game to explain it to me. So, how do you guys feel about sprites? Do those bother you? No. Sprites like the mythical creatures? No, they're okay. Oh, I, I can't I stand know. those sprites. And the soft drink? <laughs> the worst. Seven up all the way, Sprite. <laughs> Um, I don't really have a dog in that race. On the sprite thing. It is kind of endearing to see something that doesn't feel the need to be... Uh, like, the thing is, it's 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 very cartoony and attractive, and it has a very consistent aesthetic. Uh, it's really tongue-in-cheek That's... and goofy. Uh, so the fact that they are sprites is kind of cute. Like, and, oh, and, and, I mean... And, and that it's it not like a, it's not an intentionally retro game. Like if you were to look at a screenshot, you wouldn't think it's like one of those like retro Doom clone things that that gets made where they think it's really cute to do it with sprites. Uh, no, like it yeah. looks good. Yeah. So. Well, I mean, you know, look at something like Overwatch or World of Warcraft or any of the Blizzard stuff. It's all those aren't stylized, sprites. right? Oh, oh, right, 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 right. You exactly. know, like, uh, and it, it really works because everything fits into that stylized piece. Yeah. Know, so. Yeah, definitely they have a good sense of a, a consistent aesthetic that, that, that they're right. using. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, there's nothing yeah. more jarring in a game than than being faced with, you know, every oh, everything's cel-shaded, and then here's one obvious <laughs> Unity asset that somebody bought, and you're like, really? <laughs> <laughs> right, right. <laughs> now that now I'm going to do that in a game if I ever get the chance. I'm ah! One sore thumb asset. That is going to be the best part. Uh, uh, best so. in-game spaceship. McMaster, what say you? And I'll tell you in guys game, if you're correct. Spaceship? Yeah, best um, spaceship in a game. Mass Effect ship from Mass Effect 2. The, uh... Okay, Nick, what's oh. your answer? Uh, Unreal 2. Man, you guys are terrible at this. No, the correct answer is the, the Jade Hawk from Knights of the Old Republic. Ah! Well, what about some of like the cooler Wing Commander or Privateer ships too? I mean, you can't just throw this out here. And go. No, I'm not. No, Chris Roberts gets no gets no biscuits from me. I will not. <laughs> I'm over <laughs> <Okay>. every. <laughs> All right, you know he didn't turn into something that grand, sure, but those caves are solid. <laughs> those don't hold up. Talk about sprites! Oh my God, you go back and look at those. Oh, yeah. I defy you to try to play like a, an early Wing Commander. Oh, that would so be rough. so painful. <laughs> just so rough. It's it's not just the sprites. It's 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 definitely 
of playing. I don't know because if you if you go back and play like old uh, X Wing or you know Tie Fighter, right? It's doable. Yeah, yeah, because those yeah. are like those it's 3D geometry. I, I yeah, think that's a big part you, of it. When yeah. you play. Uh, the old wing command, God, and like everything's making like the forty-five degree turns, right. <laughs> and it's just, <laughs> you're just like, I don't. Am I shooting at it? I don't know. But to its credit, it'll run on a three eighty-six. That's true. So it's got that going for it. <laughs> oh yeah, I'm surprised nobody's just put it out on a phone. <laughs> you know what? Surely there's don't, an iPhone version of Wing don't Commander. Don't say that loud enough. You know? <laughs> Chris Roberts will sell that JPEG so fast. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Uh, what's coming up that you guys are looking forward to playing? Or what, what's in your backlog that you think might uh, shuffle its way up to the front next? Anything come to mind for you? Uh, for me, I want to uh, sink my hooks more into It Lurks Below. The... Oh, you know, okay. I am not one to judge a game by its size. But I went to download It Lurks Below. That game is 33 megabytes <laughs> megabytes not even 33 megabyte how you can't make a good game that fits in 33 megabytes nick diamond it's tiny it's tiny the only the only ammunition i can give it is that it's by david brevik that is true right diablo uh luminary absolutely oh yeah i i played a little bit of it in early access uh, like a year ago, and then i stopped i just i said okay i, I don't want to spoil myself i want to keep out of this let me wait till it goes 1.0. So. And now it's out, yeah. Now, yeah. my my problem, it, it looks just like like I, you know, I only played, you know, literally like 10, 15 minutes. It's just like Terraria, right? Uh, I, well, when I played it uh, in early access, it, it was very much like Terraria, except uh, the loot is randomized. And it, at least what I played at the time, there was a a much clearer delineation as to like what difficulty kind of you were at, right? Like in Terraria, it's, it's sort of, uh, okay, you got the, you got the silver armor now. I right, guess you right. go try to fight the skeleton dude or whatever. Right. And yeah, hope, hopefully you get it. Whereas again, it early access, but when I played it lurks below, it, it was very clear like what you had to do next to progress. Right, right. Yeah, Master Sarah's what's... played it quite a bit, actually, and she really likes it, Lurks Below. Um, but, oh, but what am I going to be? Um, so a game came out yesterday called Barotrauma. It's early access, so I'm sure Ugh, just need to go throw God. up. Or but, Wait, uh, what word are you saying? Barotrauma? Yeah. Like but, a bear that inflicts trauma? Yeah, how'd you not know? It's uh, like, okay, so let me tell you, it's, um, you're on Europa, you know, the moon of, what, oh, Jupiter? all right. And um, you're under the ice. And, oh, um, right, right, like, like, yeah, okay, go ahead. This sounds awesome, yeah. Yeah, and it's like a submarine game where you, it's like faster than light meets submarine game under Europa. And you have to, there's different stations. And the idea is it's like, um multiplayer is of course going to be the best experience you can have like four or five people you can use the in-game radios so if you get knocked out you can't talk and stuff like that but all sorts of crazy stuff happens and you just but they all work on the systems you have like a mechanic an engineer a captain and stuff like that and um you're doing different kind of things 
and uh, under one of the, the things eyes. that looks really cute to me, and I, I uh, you know, FTL is a top-down view of your ship. Uh, Barrel yeah. Trauma is a side cutaway oh, view yes. of, a, of a submarine, which is very like Wes Anderson Life Aquatic. Uh-huh. Like I love yeah. how charming that looks. It's just adorable. Dude. Okay, and you know it's you know I like janky games. This is the way your character moves has got that insane like uh, <laughs> ragdoll kind of effect to it. No, so, now like, you're making you're bl- you're ruining the illusion. What are you talking? Ew. No, <laughs> it's a, but wait, wait. It's awesome because like you can ram into stuff and your character. Your characters, everybody would go flying. Shit will just go everywhere. And, like, if you're the ship's doctor, you have to, like, treat all these people for all these different, like, crazy different things that happen. Because you so, bumped into them or other things that happen, you mean? Or, or yeah, no, there's, dude. We, I played last night a few times with, like, a, a few of my friends. And uh, we got, at one point, we were sailing the ship and, like, this monster attached to it and ate through the hull. And it started flooding. We're all down there, like, shooting it and stuff. And we had to, like, go outside to repair it. And then the captain forgot that one of us was outside. <laughs> Eric Eric, Eric Mackett from quarter to three, he was the one that was outside. And he forgot and took off. And Eric got chopped to pieces. <laughs> you know, it sounds like a cross between 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea and Open Water. The movie. It's, and really, and this is something I don't know if you guys are familiar with, but there's this older multiplayer game called Space Station 13, where oh, yeah. it, yeah, and this is a total homage to that. So okay. like, there's, it's a, like there's a traitor mechanic you can turn on that one person Ooh. is there to destroy the whole crew, and you can do it in crazy ways, just like in Space Station 13, you know. So like you, if you're the medic and you, you know, you're the traitor, you can go, you know, if somebody gets hurt, oh, oh my god, I accidentally overdosed them, you know, or you just give them the wrong stuff, or you can give them like a throat, like a face hugger egg or something. (laughs) Like, seriously, like creatures will burst out of them. It's like, it's insanity. And it's, uh, it just came out of early, or in early access on Steam yesterday. It's been in development for years. And it looks too like it's not one of these perpetual early accesses because they're targeting uh, fall 2019. So that, you you know, like they're basically saying within six months or so, they they plan it to to be out. So cool. Yeah, they've been in development for this game for a long time. You could download it and play it for several years uh, in their different phases. So okay. they're no, it's totally playable. You know. It's, uh, so the but, thing that I'm kind of looking forward to, or half dreading, I don't know. I I want to jump, <laughs> dip, dip my toe back in, but uh, X4 has gotten several major updates, including one I think from like a week or oh. so ago. Uh, oh. And I, I liked what I saw of it, but there were too many things that didn't make sense, so I wasn't... It's, it was one of those games that if something didn't do what I expected it to do, it was either because I didn't understand how it worked, or, just as likely, the game was broken. Uh, like it was a buggy release. <laughs> yeah, so I, yeah. I kind of feel like that they've banged on it enough, and they've added content and new features. I think I kind of want to jump back into X4, so that might be what I do next. So we'll um. see. You know, and that's one of those games that it just looks good. You yeah. know, uh, but space games are easy to do that with, I guess, in a way. Uh, but they're, it's a slick looking game. All those X games are such a nice looking game. Master, a space game has no excuse to not be beautiful. Right. Yeah. Because yeah. it's like it's not it's not that hard to make it beautiful. Right. Yeah. It's it's a black yeah. sky and just give us a cool planet and stars. Come right. on. How hard is that? <laughs> nothing, nothing to it. Nothing to it. Has either of you played Observation very much? Because that's like a, it's a space station game. 
I watched you play it, but I haven't I haven't played it myself. Oh, I liked where that was going. You know what? Never mind X4. I'm going to make some more progress in observation. So <laughs> There you go. All right, so uh, thanks, everyone, for listening. We will be back in two weeks. I am Tom Chick. I have been here with Jason McMaster and Nick Diamond, and we'll all talk to you guys next time. Cheers. Cheers.